Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad and then on with today's episode. What Was That Like contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We went to Universal in Orlando and we were there for 40 minutes and I, had, I couldn't walk anymore. And pretty much we had to leave and the kids were devastated. You know, they had wanted to go to Universal. We had spent all this money to take them to Universal and I couldn't make it for more than 40 minutes. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. My conversation today is with Ray, who lives in St. Augustine, Florida. Just a couple of years ago, Ray was on a downward spiral in terms of his health. Like a lot of people, his weight had gotten out of control. He didn't realize how far off track he was until he visited a doctor one day. That doctor visit was his wake-up call, and he definitely woke up. I think you're going to love this story. I also wanted to mention something right up front. Part of Ray's amazing turnaround is the fact that he underwent gastric bypass surgery. And I want to be clear, and Ray will tell you this as well, this is not for everyone, and it's not an easy, quick fix. If you're considering it, or really if you're thinking about any change in your diet or exercise regimen, you should consult your doctor for advice. In this case, this surgery was just a tool that was available to Ray and he used it to his advantage. And his transformation has been amazing. Calling this a weight loss success story is just a huge understatement. He has plunged headfirst into the world of long-distance running, which, as you might be aware, is also a personal interest of mine. Hopefully we didn't geek out too much on the details of ultra-running, and I hope you find his story and his progress as interesting and inspiring as I did. And at the end, I'll have a quick update on Ray and how he did in his most recent race, because when he and I spoke, that race was still in the future. And if you like this podcast, I invite you to become a patron at whatwasthatlike.com slash support. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Ray. Ray, what kind of work do you do? 
Currently, um, I'm a project manager for a large company that builds online websites for customers and marketing um, here in Jacksonville. So kind of a, an IT kind of oriented position? Yeah, I'm, it's an you know, office job. I'm at you know, my desk for a good portion of the day. Um, I, I roll out you know, big releases that we have for our customer service department. I kind of coordinate between our marketing group and product group and tra- you know, make sure you know, we're getting the, our call center agents the information they need. It sounds like kind of the type of job where you wouldn't be, it wouldn't, it would be considered a kind of a sedentary position. You're not out walking around or anything like that. Okay. That kind of fits with the story here. Let's take us back two and a half years ago. You were 34 years old. What was your life like then? Well, I would like to say I was happy, you know, at the time I seemed happy, but you know, I was 34 years old. Um, very my life was pretty much getting up, going to work, coming home. Um, I was over 500 pounds. I didn't know how much I weighed at the time. I just knew that, you know, I always kind of knew I was a big guy and I, a lot of, most of it was attributed to eating real poor, poorly. You know, I made a lot of bad food choices, which I found out kind of a little bit later when I looked back at what I was eating. That's completely why, you know, lack of exercise, lack of activity, plus making really bad food choices led to me being as large as I was. Yeah. And that's, unfortunately, that's true about a a lot of Americans, you know, the the obesity epidemic, but you had kind of taken that to more of an extreme. Yeah. And like I said, part of it was kind of, I would almost say now looking back, almost kind of lying to myself, you know, I'm not that big. You know, anytime I'd see somebody out in public that was maybe a little bit bigger than me, I would think, you know, well, at least I'm not that guy um, or that person. But, you know, it started really two and a half years ago in around March of 2017. I started getting progressively worse where I was being active was really difficult. Walking from my desk at work just out to my car, I'd have really bad, severe back pain. And it was really starting to. I couldn't do much with my kids. Taking my kids places was very difficult. So like, it just was really starting to impact me. So what made you finally decide to go to the doctor? Well, originally, like I said, I was having a lot of back problems or what I perceived to be back problems. And I wanted to see if there was anything that the doctor could do for me. So I asked my wife and she had set up an appointment for me when she scheduled it and they asked what it was for because prior to that, I hadn't gone to the doctor in probably a decade, tried to avoid them at all costs because, you know, when I had gone in the past, because I was pretty much heavy my whole life, you know, I always heard your your weight's a problem. And, you know, I just really tried to avoid that at all, all costs. And so just because of the back problems, eventually I wanted to go to the doctor and see if there was something wrong. Tell us about that doctor visit. What happened? It was a real eye-opener. Like I said, not going for quite some time and being as big as I was, I wasn't like I was checking how much I weighed on any consistent basis because most scales at home didn't work. I was too you know, too big for them. So when I was getting screened at the doctors and they were checking my blood pressure and you know how much I weighed, I kind of stepped on the scale for probably the first time in, like I said, close to a decade. And I was read 509 pounds and I immediately got really like sick to my stomach because I didn't think I was that big. I didn't feel like I was that big and, you know, met with the doctor. And the first thing the doctor said was, you don't have a 
back problem, you have a weight problem, and you kind of you it's your time. You're a pretty young guy still, but you're running. You need to do something soon, or it's going to be too late. Um, yeah, because you were only you were only thirty four. Right? You, yeah, you are. You were a pretty young guy. Yeah. So you know, she the, it was a nice lady. It was my first visit to her. She kind of suggested eating less food and drinking more water, ordered some blood tests, and that was it. She didn't really put me on any type of real path or give me any any advice I haven't heard before. But when I was leaving the doctor's office, I was just so sick to my stomach over how much I had you know, kind of let myself go and got up to that weight that I called my wife immediately and said, I got to do something today. I can't wait any longer. Because I had, through the years, I had always tried to lose weight and... I, or I would say, I'll start on Monday, and i try to put it off. Or I would start a diet, and a couple weeks later, I would stop. Or I'd have a varying level of success with it, but I would always go back to old habits. Sure, like, just like a lot of people do. Yeah. That's a, it's a standard process. You know, you lose some weight, you go off the diet at the, after you've lost the weight, you gain back that weight plus some more, and then it gets just an end, a never-ending cycle. Yeah, Exactly. And you hear about this with a lot of people that have had a dramatic weight loss. There was something that happened that triggered that thing that said that, you know, in your brain that said, okay, this is it. This is the end of it. I've got to do something. sounds like your trigger was that day that you stepped on the scale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's almost like I kind of hit rock bottom and was just kind of over it at that point. Through my, like I said, through my life, everybody had always said, I'm worried about you. You need to lose weight. My mother, my wife, my, you know, all my family. And I always would say, yeah, I understand and kind of push it off. But something I truly believe is, in order for you to make a life change, you, you really need to want it for yourself and have your own reasons for it. Somebody else, they could want for you, you know, want it for you as much as they want, but it's really got to come from you. You have to be the one that wants to make that change. Absolutely. So you decided that day, something has to change. How did you decide what to do? I had throughout the years tried varying different things, calorie counting. At one point I went to a doctor that prescribed me a bunch of medication to lose weight. So this time around I said, I'm just going to stick with calorie counting. And I immediately started going to 1200 calories a day or less some days. And I had a lot of success at the beginning and it was really repetitive. So for some people that may not work, but I just found foods that worked for me that I enjoyed eating and didn't mind if I ate them five days a week. So did you kind of, when you, when you were thinking how boring the food, the, the, the repetitiveness of the food, did you think, well, that's the price I'm paying because this is what's going to make me lose weight? Yeah, a little bit. Like I said, I tried to find ways to like mask the food. So like if I was doing chicken breast, I'd try to find different ways to cook it so that it wasn't so repetitive or things that I didn't really enjoy eating. But yeah, I mean, definitely I realized it took me 34 years to get as big as I was and it wasn't going to just fall off overnight. And I had to make a change long-term and really accept the fact that while I'm eating this meal that I may not love in the long run, it's going to be worth it. But at 500 pounds, 1,200 calories a day, you must have been starving. Yeah, I mean, at first, the first couple of weeks was difficult, and then you kind of fall into a rhythm. I drank a lot of water, and I tried to use my calories wisely. So, for example, broccoli has very little 
uh, calories. So if I was eating for dinner, I would have a big, huge portion of broccoli and then a little bit of chicken. So I would try to get as full as I could on foods that didn't have a lot of calories, but were large in, large in portion. Right. Yeah. You can do that with a lot of vegetables. Yeah. So that's great. So how did the, how did it go? How did the weight loss go from there from the So start? when you're as big as I was and you cut your calories to that little, the weight comes off pretty quickly. And after about like two months, two and a half months, I had lost 40 pounds and I was pretty happy with the progress, but I had the fear in the back of my mind that I could always fall back into bad habits and I would lose all that progress like I have in the past. So it was right around that time that I started looking into gastric bypass surgery and trying to, you know, determine if that was something I wanted to to look at, see if I could use that and leverage that for weight loss. I want to say right up front that neither you nor I are doctors and we're not dispensing any kind of medical advice and anyone considering this should cons- consult their own doctor. But can you describe what gastric bypass actually does? What's the process? There's several different types of surgery. So gastric bypass is typically used for when, like, it's the most risky but the highest success rate with gastric bypass. And what they do is they reroute a part of your intestine so that your stomach is very small, two to four ounces typically, so that it restricts the amount of food that you can eat at one time. So it helps for, for me, I, I decided it would be a good tool. So you have to, I had to go to a seminar where they explained it to you. And really for me, I looked at it as a tool and that's the way they explained it. It's not a magic pill. It's not something that's going to make you lose weight overnight, but if you use it properly, you can leverage it as a tool. For me, that's what I wanted to use it as is if, if I ate something that wasn't necessarily the most healthy for me, there's only so much of that something I could eat because again, it restricts how much you can eat. So the surgery itself doesn't take any weight off. It just restricts what you're able to eat. Correct. And, and there's people that have the surgery and don't have success because while it restricts your portion size, it doesn't restrict necessarily what you eat. So some people will have the surgery and, you know, maybe they're eating cupcakes all day long, but they're only having a half cupcake waiting an hour later and eating another half cupcake. So you still have to really make wise decisions with your food choices. But like I said, if you do fall off and have something that's not necessarily healthy, you can only have so much of that something. So it helps with portion control. The really what I gravitated to was, hey, this will help me with my portion controls and making sure I'm not taking too much, too many bad calories. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning, it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. 
And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com what code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com what. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned earlier that gastric bypass, the one that you had, is has the highest chance of success, but it's also the riskiest. What makes it risky? The surgery has become so common that it's really not risky anymore. Or you know, there are some risks to it, but there could be where, um, inter- like, where they connect this, reroute the stomach. They're like, it could come. There could be a leak. So then they'd have to go back in and fix the suture, you know, where there's a leak. Um, there's a few other, just any surgery going under the, you know, anesthesia has its own risks. So through the process and through the interview process, they kind of explained it as there's like a certain percentage of people that have passed away from the surgery, but it's so low at this point that like getting your tonsils removed is more risky than having gastric bypass. So I looked at it and the reward outweighed the risk. And if I did nothing, that's more risky than having the surgery. Yeah. And of course, yeah. And you're right. Any surgery is risky. Uh, I mean, you're, especially something like this where you're, the doctor is literally kind of rearranging your insides, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, I can see. So do they tell you to um, try to lose more weight before the surgery? 
it's I guess it's different with every doctor that you go to. Some have really strict requirements where they want you to lose a percentage of it. Um, also, your insur- everybody's insurance has different requirements. The company I work for did a really great job of when they were working out our insurance rates and everything, having it built in where we didn't have to really meet many requirements. Um, we just had to meet the doctor's requirements. And the doctor I went to didn't really have a set limit. He wanted to see some progress that I was committed to it. But through the process, you have to go for quite a few tests to make sure that you're healthy enough to last through the surgery, but you also have to speak with a psychiatrist because they want to make sure that this is a huge procedure and they want to make sure that you're really dedicated to making a lifelong change and that you're not looking at this as like a magic pill that, you know, once it's done, you're going to lose all the weight tomorrow. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a big mental aspect to this. Definitely. So how much weight had you lost by the time you, you, you had the surgery? When I started considering it, I had lost about 40 pounds and, and that was, right around June of 2017. And I had my surgery in September, beginning of September. And by then I had lost 90 pounds. So I went from 509 to, it was like 419, uh, I think like 419, the day of surgery. So you lost 90 pounds. Did you ever consider, man, maybe I don't need to do this surgery. I could just lose it all on my own. Yeah. I mean, the thought, that thought was there. But in the back of my mind, I, I still had that fear that I would go back to my bad habits. And I, like I said, I wanted to, I was so far into this process and made the decision that this was going to be the thing that kind of like my safety net. And like, I, almost like I was doubling down and making sure that, hey, if you do fall off the, the bandwagon or if you do make a mistake, at least you can only make a mistake so much because this is going to, this is going to really help you restrict that. So uh, there was a little bit of me, especially on the day of the surgery, because I had never had a surgery in my entire life. So it was a pretty big step. And, you know, there was parts of me that wanted to just see if I could, but uh, I had pretty much committed to it. And at that point wanted to follow through. How nervous were you going in? Uh, like, like that morning? That morning, I was really nervous. Um, it didn't hit me until they kind of took me into the back and started prepping me. And then me and my wife had to sit um, in the pre-op area for like 45 minutes. And, you know, I was pretty <laughs> nervous. But <laughs> Lots of time to work up those nerves. Yeah, I just, like I said, I just kept on telling myself that this is going to be the for long term. This is going to be really great for my, for me. And this is something that they do every single day. And it was kind of funny when you're going through the process and we booked my appointment, the doctor was like, Oh, you're the first one of the day. And then I have nine more the rest of the day, you know, they're doing these surgeries in bulk. So that's a good way to look at it. That's, that's the perspective. I, I had kind of the same thing when I had LASIK surgery, because you think about it, man, this is your eyes. You really want to, I can see okay with glasses. Do you really want to take a chance on messing that up and everything? But then, you know, the guy that did the surgery has done like 20,000 of them. Yeah. So it's, it's just routine. It's not routine for me or, you know, this surgery wasn't routine for you because it's the only time you'd ever have it done. But for the doctor, it's just another day. Exactly. Were you exercising at all during this time? Not at, when I was that big. When I was 400 pounds, it was still my mobility wasn't very good. I, I would try to walk around a little bit more. At work, I'd get up every hour or so and just kind of 
walk around the building, but I wasn't really doing much actually what I would consider exercise. How long did the surgery take and how, how long and how did you feel right after? The surgery wasn't very long. I think it was about an hour. And then I was in the hospital for two days and the pain, it wasn't too bad at all. In fact, I was probably only took pain medicine for the first day. And then when I got home, they gave me pain medicine. I didn't take any of it because it wasn't too painful because they did it laparoscopically. So there was only a couple small incisions. So I think I was, like I said, back in the back for about an hour and then in the hospital for about two days. It really, the two days is just to make sure they want to make sure that nothing, none of the um, connections where they're connecting the intestines, nothing is leaking or anything. So you, I went down and they had to, while I drink some liquid, watch my, make sure that nothing, you know, everything was still connected and there was no uh, leaks. Right. You don't want any leaks. That's for sure. So how long did it take to, to fully heal? Not long at all. I actually, I took two, I, uh, they recommended two weeks. So the first week I worked from home and then I took like three days off of work. I used PTO and then I worked from home the following week. And then I was back at work. Now, like I said, I'm pretty, not very active at work, so it wasn't too bad, but I was up and able to drive and do everything I needed to within five to seven days. So did the people at work I mean, I'm thinking if they didn't really understand, you probably explained to them what the surgery was or they probably knew, but I'm just thinking some people that didn't really know, they might see you come back the first day of work and think, hmm, well, wait a minute, you're the same size. Yeah. No, I think they kind of knew. Um, and the surgery is becoming more common. So they kind of, there was other people in my office that have had similar surgery. So they kind of saw other people that had gone through the same process. What were the instructions that they gave you on how your eating habits had to change? Just eat less or was there something else more than that? One of the things that once you had the surgery, I was told I shouldn't, can't do moving forward is like no carbonated beverages. So I haven't had like a soda or carbonated water or anything carbonated in like two years. So something to do with the food, the way that the carbonation can react with your stomach. Um, also, when I do eat, I can't drink and eat. So I can drink something and then 30 minutes before I eat. And then after I eat, I have to wait 30 minutes to a half hour to drink something. Um, and then just small portions. I got a question about the drinking though. What, what would happen if you didn't wait? If I didn't wait, it could actually increase the size of my stomach. Um, it could make me sick because it kind of, the food kind of naturally digests. And if you drink, it kind of will force the food down. So it can, you can have, you can get kind of nauseous and sick from it. And of course, the main thing is you have to have smaller portion sizes, but I would think if your stomach is, is so much smaller, you, you must get full pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, it's weird. Right after the surgery, I believe it was two weeks. I had to be on like a liquid diet. And then I was finally able to eat like soft food. And one of the first things I had was a, a single scrambled egg. And they tell you to kind of eat slowly. And I, just naturally, I've always eaten kind of fast. And I got about halfway through the egg and it, I had eat, I had ate too much. 
<laughs> like I got nauseous and sick. <laughs> so like a half of a, a scrambled egg has filled me up the f- at first. Um, so. That has got to be the weirdest thing. I mean, when you think about before, you know, you could sit down to a burger and a double cheeseburger and fries and a beer and, you know, and you're fine. But now you got half an egg yeah, that was, and you're, and you're feeling full. That's just weird. Yeah. And it's it, over time that changes a little bit. So now I can eat a little bit more. Now I could probably eat like an, like an egg and a half to two scrambled, two eggs scrambled. But at first it, one, I was on liquids. So my stomach, you know, was pretty small. But yeah, it definitely is messes with your mind a little bit because you're so used to eating big portions and now you're eating way smaller portions. Cause even throughout the process prior to my surgery, like I said, I was, while my calories count was really low, I was eating large portions of broccoli and, and healthy foods. So like big salads and things like that, just a lot of lettuce and not cause salad, depending on how you make a salad, sometimes it can have a lot of calories. So, but yeah, it was definitely, it took some time to getting adjusted to. Was there any concern about, I mean, I'm thinking fundamentally, if you physically can't eat very much food is what about, I mean, your body requires a certain amount of protein and carbohydrates and, you know, a certain amount of nutrition. Can, can you get enough by what you're able to eat? That's a really good question. One of the things you do have to go on immediately is um, supplements. So multivitamins, vitamin B, vitamin D, iron, protein, like they want you to drink protein shakes and things like that, Some, you know, things that are really high in protein. So, and I'm not a huge fan of protein shakes. It usually, it would take me like an hour to drink a protein shake, especially when my stomach was that small. Now it's a little bit different. Because I'm two years removed, I can eat a little bit more, and I eat a little bit more frequently. But at first, it, a lot of supplements. Okay, so take us out. Let's say uh, like six months post surgery. What what was your weight, or how how did you lose the weight after the surgery? Was it just as quick? Yeah, actually, was really quick. It started falling off really quick. So I had the surgery in September, and it was right around March. Is I kind of hit my first plateau, and I, at that time I was down to about two hundred and seventy-five pounds, maybe two hundred and eighty. So at that point, you had lost like two hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, it just started slowing down. To at first, I was losing like a pound a day like almost every day, like it just was coming off really easily. And I I was really happy. Like I was was happy with my progress, but I didn't want to stop there. So, you know, just one night I decided I was going to go out for a walk. So I started doing like nightly walks going for like a mile, two miles, just walking. Mm -hmm. So, so you started walking. How did you transition that into running? One night I just decided the walk, it was the walking was all right, but I wanted to kind of challenge myself. So I said, I'd see if I could run. I work with a couple of folks that label themselves as runners and they were always talking about like five K's and doing those on the weekend. And it sounded interesting. So I decided like I would just try to run for a mile and I didn't enjoy it at all. It was very hard. And I wasn't very good at it. And people listening to this right now are thinking, yeah, I can understand. I wouldn't enjoy it either. It was really just to try to see if I could do it. And that was, like I said, probably around May, I think, was when I first wanted to try doing a, you know, my, my, a mile. And I slowly started improving and 
was able to do a mile. And then one of my coworkers who, like I said, does was a, classifies herself as a runner. She does a lot of 5Ks. Um, she kind of challenged me and said, hey, I'm doing this 5K. Why don't you do it with me? It's in September. So it kind of gave me a couple months to train for it. And I was I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. So you set a goal of doing a 5K. And that's a common exercise program. There's a, It's a thing called Couch to 5K. Did you do that or did you just kind of create your own training plan? This kind of did my own thing. At the time, we were living in Middleburg, Florida, which isn't too far from where we're at here in St. Augustine. And my um, daughter's karate school, she had karate every night, was three miles from our house. So I would walk a mile, try to run a mile, and then walk a mile. Then I would try to switch it up and maybe run the first mile, walk the second mile, run, you know. So I would just try to change it up as much as I could up to the lead up to the, the actual race. Yeah, that's the, you can only do it a little bit at a time. That's the way to do it. How did your coworkers react to see? I mean, they're seeing you get smaller and smaller, right? It was funny because I had moved down from Pennsylvania. I've worked for the same company for it's over 15 years. And I originally started working for the company in Pennsylvania where I'm, you know, where I lived originally. We moved down to Florida about six years ago, but I had a lot of coworkers up in PA and they came down on a business trip and they saw me for the first time and they were just shocked. You know, <laughs> I looked like a different human being. Yeah. That's, it's always fun to have those interactions, right? Yeah. Cause, cause you know, they're going to be shocked. Yeah. All right. So tell us how did the first 5k, how did that go? It went better than I thought it was going to. I finished in just under 34 minutes. So I was really excited and I ran the whole thing. I was really, you know, that was one of my goals is I didn't really care how quick it was. I wanted to make, wanted to run the full 3.1 miles without stopping or walking. And I was able to do that and kind of, I got really excited for that and kind of, it's what hooked me on running. And then fall, you know, in the following months, I think I ran five or six, five Ks, you know, through November, December. Yeah. And 34 minutes, that's like an 11 minute pace. You, you definitely, you didn't come in last place, obviously. Yeah, no, I think I'd have to look back, but I think it was like fifth place in my aged group, which, so I was pretty happy. Like I said, I was really, really happy with the result. Yeah. I think that's part of the key to a long process like this is having having wins all along the way. That's what keeps you motivated. Yeah. And that's the one thing I always liked, like kind of when I first started running, really enjoying was it's very, you can see the progress and it's, you can measure it. Um, I remember getting on doing like treadmill training, which at first I used to do a lot. Now I enjoy running outside much more, but at first I remember, Hey, I just ran a 10 minute mile. That's the first time I ever ran one. And then I'd take a picture of the treadmill to kind of look at it. And then I could look back and say, okay, two weeks ago, I couldn't keep an 11 minute pace, but now I can keep a 10, 10 minute and 45 second pace, you know? Yeah. It's obviously uh, obvious progress for sure. Yeah. When you did that first 5k, what was your weight? I was, I think it was 220 ish. Okay. I mean, for my size, I'm five, just right under six feet, five eleven. So, all right. So, what what did you uh, what happened after that? In the beginning of 2019, the same coworker that challenged me to the first 5K said, "Hey, the Gate River runs coming up. 
it's the largest 15k one of the largest 15ks you should try it and prior to that i had never ran more than three miles you know that was i didn't i didn't even know of the long run yeah so i didn't do anything more than that so i I was really hesitant because they also on the same day they have a 5k and I was like, I'll sign up for the 5k. And she's like, no, you got to do the 15k. Um, so, you got to do three 5k's that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I decided I would give it a shot and I signed up for it. And I think it was the very beginning of January. And yeah, you know, I started picking up my training, running a little bit more at that time. I was probably, I was running three times a week doing three miles a run. So I was doing nine miles a week. And I think I bumped up, you know, the most mileage I did for the, was like a week or two before the 15 K and I had gotten up to, I think it was like 25 or 30 miles for the week with, I think my longest run was eight miles. One of the things you got to watch out for when you're training and and increasing your weekly mileage is injury. Yeah. You you could pull a muscle or, you know, anything like that. Did, did you ever, have you had any kind of running injuries? I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I've only had one and it was at way after this, um, kind of after I started doing a couple of ultra marathons is when I had my first scare, but it wasn't anything too serious. I think I just rested for a couple of days and I was fine. It's, it seems like you have a natural gift for running. I mean, some people just have that built in. I've done some ultras myself, but I'm, I don't have that gift. That's why I'm so slow, but what happened after you decided even after the 15K, you finished that in a pretty decent time and you wanted to go even farther? Yeah. So I, I finished the gate in an hour and 26 minutes. And I really, at that time, I kind of realized the longer runs I could just like, I could keep the same pace for quite some time. And with the shorter 5Ks, I would go to, you know, some of the small events and I would do okay. I I think I came in like third once or twice. Um, But I kind of naturally realized like I was never going to win a 5K pace with guys my age because some of them are doing, you know, 6, 17, 18 minute 5Ks and I'm just not, I'm not that fast. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's ridiculous. um, Yeah. So (laughs) I I realized, you know, this longer stuff, I, I kind of enjoy it. It's more challenging. So after the the gate and I did the 15 K I said, I wanted to do a half marathon. So I was looking all over the place and it, I couldn't find one. Like I just, everyone I found was either way too far away or, but I found a 25 K which was only like 45 minutes from my house. Um, it was the angry t- tortoise 25 K and I went to go sign up and it was so like, I looked at, I found it. It was I could register. I waited a day and it was sold out. So I had to actually reach out to the race director and she graciously let me join the race, even though it was sold out. It was very exciting. And that's a 25 K, which is 15 and a half miles. Yeah. Yep. And I, the way I figured I was like, Oh, it's not, if I was going to do a half marathon at 13.1, what's a couple extra miles. What's a couple extra miles? Why not? Okay, yeah. so you so you did that one, and then then you went into the world of ultra marathons, which is anything longer than a standard marathon. A standard marathon is twenty six point two miles, and you moved into the world of ultras without even doing a marathon. Yeah, I um, so I really enjoyed the twenty five k was also my first trail marathon, which I really liked, and. 
it went really good up until the very end. And then I, I got some cramps and I, I didn't stop at any of the aid stations. I made a bunch of mistakes. So I kind of walked a portion of the end of the race and then ran it in at the end. But I felt, you know, after the race, I was slightly disappointed in my result. Even though I finished it, I was happy with that. But it wasn't necessarily in the, my goal time that I wanted to finish. So I wanted to do, I almost immediately wanted to do another trail race. And then I found a 50K. And I decided I was going to sign up for that. It was the Sweat Swat Swear. And that was in, I want to say it was May. And that was, it was like the hottest day of the year. And I, I kind of got hooked on it from there. So you've done a 50 K you, you really, you've done a couple of things that most people would look at and say, that's impossible. I could never do that. You know, you, you went from over 500 pounds, you lost all that weight, but then you've also gotten into, and you've finished a 50 K race, which is 31, 31 miles. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever think about, man, a couple of years ago, I, you're like a different person, a completely different person now. How do you how do you process that in your mind? It's kind of hard. It kind of fucks with your mind a little bit. Excuse my language, but because I I remember you know when I was 500 pounds, hearing all my friends, coworkers talking about running, and I would joke with them and say, "You guys are crazy. Like, must like to torture yourselves." But I kind of once I started running, it really you know it's something that. I kind of found that it kind of relieves a lot of stress for me. And it's just something I really gravitated towards. And it does mess with your mind a little bit to think about how much of a difference in lifestyle it is. And I know ultra runners have kind of a different relationship with pain than maybe the typical person. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, my wife always looks at me and my toenails are all black and she's just looks at me, shakes her head sometimes and doesn't understand why I do it. But uh, for me, like I said, it's just kind of, it's a challenge to see how far, how hard, you know, how long can I run? How hard can I run? Are you at your goal weight now or what do you weigh now? I, I vary day to day. If I weigh myself in the morning, I'm about 195. And then after I, after I hydrate and everything after my run, I'm usually 200-ish. So uh, I'm pretty happy with the weight I'm at. I, at one point, I had gotten down to 182 pounds, but it wasn't healthy. I didn't do it the right way. Um, I kind of, before I started really running hard, I kind of became obsessed with the number on the scale, which was kind of unhealthy. I was definitely dehydrating myself. I would hardly drink anything all day and didn't have the best relationship with food for a little bit. Just to see how you could, how low that number could go. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to hit under 180. I wanted to, um, it's kind of silly, but the BMI, the body mass index for me to be a normal weight was 179 pounds. And I wanted to get to a normal weight and I was doing it at any cost. And it, it just, it got to a point where it was actually making my running harder. Cause like I said, I was dehydrating myself and I just wasn't eating enough calories for how much I was putting out. So now I'm, I'm happy with where I weigh. I, I drink a lot more fluids and make sure I'm properly hydrated and have good nutrition. Do you, do you have a coach? I do not. I've considered it, um, but I just find it, there's a lot of resources online 
and I, I think one day I probably will look to have a coach, but I have had a, a decent amount of success so far, at least with not, you know, no injuries and things to that nature. So yeah, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Eventually uh, I've looked into it, but it's not something I've kind of pulled the trigger on yet. So what's next? What kind of races do you have coming up? So I have a 50 mile race um, in November 2nd. It's the St. Sebastian. Now it's, they're only doing the 50. They had a hundred mile event, but I guess they didn't get enough people. But so I'm doing a 50 miler in November. I'm looking at some, possibly doing something in December. And then I have on, in January, I have the long haul, which is a hundred mile race. A hundred miles. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have your training plan already uh, mapped out? I, my training plan is pretty much just to do what I've been doing. I, uh, at this point I run a hundred miles a week at least. So I kind of just been doing that for, since I signed up for those races, I've just kind of committed to doing a hundred miles a week at least. And yeah, the it's, it's a, it's a big difference. I went from 50 K to uh 100 K and then it took me, a couple of years of training. Well, actually I trained for a year to do my first hundred miler and then situation came up that I, I, like a week before and I wasn't able to do that race. So I had another year of training to do that same race the following year. You gotta, you gotta respect a hundred miles. That's, that's a yeah. serious, serious distance. <laughs> yeah. I actually, it was right after I did the 50 K in May is when I signed up. I finished the 50K and that Monday is when I signed up for a long haul in the St. Sebastian. And I right away realized like I've got six months or so to train for this and I, to do it right, I have to get my mileage up. And that's kind of where I had the, the injury scare. I went from doing like 45 to 50 miles a week to I did a 69 mile and then like an 80 mile a week. And I, uh, was having some pain in my right shin, but it was not where you would traditionally get shin splints. So I thought it was a stress fracture and went to the doctor and had some x-rays taken and they said it was just a little bit of overuse. So they told me to rest for a few days and took it easy for two to three days and then I felt fine. It's almost kind of hard to imagine. Just two and a half years ago, you were over 500 pounds and now this, you know, in a few months, you're going to be at the starting line of a hundred mile race. How, how would you describe how different your life is now? It It's dramatically different. I can't even like, I, I think back to what my life was before and I kind of was a sloth. I just didn't do anything. It impacted my kids, my wife, you know, it just, it wasn't good. And now it's not just running, but I'm just more of an active person. So I wake up at four in the morning every day just to make sure I get my runs in. And then from there I go to work and I feel energized. I come home, I do a run with, I take my, I do like a three or a five mile run every night, but my daughter comes with me and she's riding her bike. So it's just trying to be not only just more active, but more engaged with my family and yeah, some of the changes I've made have kind of really let me do that because before it just wasn't possible. And now you've got so much of a better chance of seeing your kids grow up and growing old with your wife. And, you know, whereas, uh, you know, the you were on a track to, to not make it very far. 
Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of another very large motivating factor. Not only was just stepping on the scale, um, but kind of taking a look back at the big picture and seeing how I was impacting my kids. And one memory that sticks out is we went to Universal in Orlando and we were there for 40 minutes and I had I couldn't walk anymore. And pretty much we had to leave and my kids were devastated. You know, they had wanted to go to Universal. We had spent all this money to take them to Universal and I couldn't make it for more than 40 minutes. That's got a man. That's, that's got to just, that's like a punch in the gut. Yeah. It really doesn't make you feel good about yourself. And yeah. So, and that was right before as well, kind of right before I had started kind of on a downward spiral where, I was having more and more problems just being mobile. Well, you did it, man. That's uh, congratulations. You have really defied the odds. And it sounds like you're the type of person that relishes a challenge. Yeah, I really, there is something about challenging myself. I know they say kind of race your own race and things like that, but I'm always looking at, you know, I recently did the six hour TikTok ultra race. And, and you, you did pretty, you may not mention it, but you did pretty well in that race, right? How did you finish? I finished first overall for the six <laughs> hour event, Yeah, um, but going into the race, I had set some goals and I didn't really make it known to anybody, but my wife and I said, Hey, I'm looking at the last couple of years results. I see what other people have done. I think I can do really well. So I, I do get pretty competitive with myself and, and, you know, I knew how my long runs were going and I kind of targeted how many miles I thought I could finish and kind of the same thing with the 50 mile and the hundred mile. I have some, some goals that I kind of haven't told too many people. And some, I told one person about my hunt, what I, what I want to finish my hundred and, and the guy just looked at me and said, I was crazy. Well, for a hundred, for your first hundred, just finishing is a great goal. Yeah. Anything on top of that is, uh, that's just icing. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll see you out there. I've, I've volunteered uh, several times at Long Haul because it's right here in the Tampa area. And uh, so if I get out there in January, maybe I'll see you out there. It'd be good to, good to see you in person. That'd be awesome. Hey, it's Scott again. Just a few thoughts before we wrap up this episode. I want to thank Justin Radley for connecting me with Ray. Justin is a good friend and a race director for several ultra marathons here in Florida. You just heard Ray talking about the St. Sebastian race, which he ran on November the 2nd of this year, 2019. This race was his first 50-mile race, and in preparing for it, he went back and added up all of his training runs, and he calculated that he ran over 1,900 miles in order to be ready for race day. And apparently it worked, because he won that race. I'm not talking about winning his age group, which would have been impressive in itself. No, he actually came in first place overall. Just unbelievable. And as his wife Sarah posted on Facebook, Ray has now officially achieved ultra runner status because he has lost the nail from one of his big toes. Pretty common to lose toenails when you do these long races. So congratulations to Ray on this race, and I'm pretty sure he's still planning to do his first 100 miler at the Long Haul 100 race in Tampa this January. If you're in the area, come out and cheer him on. And if you have a crazy story of your own, or if you know of someone who has a story that might be just bizarre enough to be on this podcast, tell them to contact me. 
they can just go to the website at whatwasthatlike.com and click on Submit Your Story. And if it's a good fit for the show, I want to hear it. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.